0: Less than 1% of the world's diamonds are worthy of the Forevermark inscription, a promise of beauty, rarity, and responsible sourcing. Forevermark, a diamond is forever. Find your design at Forevermark.com.
1: This episode of Little Gold Men is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer called Gold Men, that's G O L D M E N, at checkout to get 10% off Squarespace. Build it beautiful.
0: Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, an award season podcast from Vanity Fair and Panoply. I'm Katie Rich, the Hollywood editor of VanityFair.com, and I'm here as always with Vanity Fair's digital director, Mike Hogan. Hey, Katie. And Vanity Fair's film critic, Richard Lawson. Hello. Hello. It's been a couple days since the Oscar nominations. We've had time to process everything, and one of the more interesting narratives emerging other than the ongoing scandal about how white this year's crop of nominees is, which is a whole other conversation, is the wide-open Best Picture race. It's, uh, it's rare that you see so many plausible films that could win at this point in the race so we wanted to talk about what we see as the top three contenders what we think might happen and kind of when this has happened before in Oscar history and then from there we've brought back our friend Joe Reed of Decider to talk about this had Oscar buzz 2015 edition the uh, movies that didn't quite cross the finish line this year what happened and uh, maybe which ones will already be on the horizon for next year and then finally we'll go big before we go home and take a look at what I think is the trickiest category to predict at this year's Oscars best supporting actress
1: I'm out of time Jim we're gonna cover up stories on
2: 70 priests but the boss isn't gonna run it unless I get confirmation from your side are you out of your mind come on this is our town Jimmy everybody knew something was going on and no one did a thing we gotta put an end to it
3: don't tell me what
2: I gotta do Yeah, I helped defend these scumbags, but that's my job, Robbie. I was doing my job. Yeah.
1: You and everyone else. All
0: right, so guys, you can stop me if you think that I'm wrong, but my perspective, and I think what a lot of people are thinking, is that Best Picture has basically come down to three movies, to spotlight The Big Short and The Revenant. Are we all on the same page on this? I
2: think that you can't 100% count out Mad Max either just because it has all the requisite nominations and a lot of people think George Miller could win Best Director. Uh, In other words, the theory being that normally if you don't have Best Director and Best Editing as well as Best Picture, you're not really in the race because those are so closely put together.
1: So those four movies, but I would agree that more likely it's Revenant Spotlight or Big Short. Katie, I think you're right. I think that... My guess would be that the if if you wanted to rank those three, the big short is probably third. Um, I think that it's, of the momentness has maybe passed a little bit. Mm. I hate to bring up this comparison, but to me, it a little bit feels like the American Hustle of this year, which everyone loved for a couple of weeks, got <laughs> ten nominations, and then didn't win anything. Oh,
0: but Big Short is better. Than oh, American yeah. Hustle. I mean,
1: not, not quality wise, I'm not comparing them, but like I think just in terms of like the way they sort of function in the conversation, mm. both were sort of funky, fun about you know sort of like American capitalism and ideals and all this stuff in a kind of comedic way and and, and everyone loved them when they f- saw them and were talking about them and they were kind of all, they were both surprises in a way. But I, for for whatever reason, I feel like I, I rewatched The Big Short for the third time this this weekend, and um, and it 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 holds up. It's still a great movie, but something about it just felt even a little. I mean, a little less urgent already in in on in the middle of January yeah. than it did a couple weeks ago.
2: Well, I watched Spotlight again this weekend, and I have to say, I was like even more moved than the first time I watched it. Now again, I'm like perfect target audience for this movie. You know, I'm like an Irish American from the Northeast who grew up Catholic and is in journalism. But I was like really, really deeply moved and blown away by the power of it and what it stands for and all the rest of it. And But I do think that The Revenant has a lot of momentum coming out of various awards, including the Golden Globes, even though they are theoretically irrelevant to all this. To me, I think that it's time for these there's no Harvey in the race there's no Harvey Weinstein who's known for kind of his closing moves and end game but if I were involved with any of these films I would be asking myself how are we going to create a narrative that says to voters, like, this is the movie that you want to enshrine for future <laughs> generations yeah. to come back and say that was the the movie of 2015. And I think Spotlight, I think they've been very kind of quiet, but they should do that. They have a real great argument to make that this stands for some seriously great principles that are sort of not uh, overwhelmingly uh, obvious in in modern American life right now, especially in comparison to somebody like Donald Trump. I think Big Short can do that. I think it's a little harder for Revenant, but I, 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 I feel like the picture right now is not where the picture will be or should be when the voting ends. Right.
0: So there's something that comes up every year that there's some kind of movie that's like this is what you should enshrine. This is the history. I think with 12 Years a Slave, a lot of people were justifiably concerned that Gravity was going to kind of come out of nowhere, or not come out of nowhere but kind of swoop in and win after all. And I think it stems from the year that Brokeback Mountain lost, because that was the movie of that year that everyone said, this is the movie of 2005, this is the movie that you have to name Best Picture, and enough people said no, that Crash wound up winning. And there's just this part of me that can't help thinking that people are going to see Spotlight and be like, no, I'm not giving it to this tiny movie that's all set in one room and, you know, starring actors wearing bad clothes, I'm going to give it to The revenue."
1: Right. And I think, you know, if, just to like infer some psychology of the voters, like, it here's a small movie that's that's very powerful uh, about journalism. Journalists at the moment especially are maybe a little bit antagonistic to, mem- you know, sort of certain portions of, of show business versus this narrative about a movie where that was really hard to make that, you know, actors and directors and crew suffered for mightily um, and we've heard that ad nauseum about uh, the, the Revenant um, and also is doing well at the box office. Yeah. Like that in a, in a sort of more tribal way might respond Like I feel like resonate with Academy Voters more than Spotlight which is a celebration of an entirely different industry that Mm -hmm. is not theirs. That's an interesting point. I mean one thing if you were to be running strategy
2: for Spotlight you might think about is how forget about being a celebration of journalism. This movie is an indictment of most journalism the way it's practiced today and the paparazzi assholes making our lives miserable and all the nonsense that's being spun out about your life Oscar voter and your world like let's let's show these asshole journalists like this is what you should be doing right <laughs> you know i i mean i just think i think there's enough kind of creative narrative making that could be done here that it's not done yet i i like what you're saying but i still don't hear a, a really truly compelling narrative for The Revenant other than this is what Hollywood does best which is not a bad narrative but I don't even know that they fully crystallized it. They were very heavy on the whole it was so hard to make which I think was effective for getting Leo yeah. the nomination. I think that's less of a best picture case than it is a best actor and well, maybe I'm, director case. I'm trying right. to think
0: of what got Birdman over the line last year. Like it was about Hollywood in some ways and it was about reflecting on the industry. It was about Michael Keaton in that way and the way that The Revenant is about Leo But I I think that this is what Hollywood does best. I mean, that was what I thought when I was watching The Revenant. I was like, "This is why this industry exists and employs all these egotistical men who want to drag cameras over mountains so that we can (laughs) capture insane things like this." Like, it's what epics have been about in Hollywood for decades, and it's really right in line with that tradition. Like, if you do a montage with The Revenant and Ben Hur and The Ten Commandments and Gone with the Wind, it all fits together. But there
2: was no. But last year, it's not really comparable because last year, Birdman was really up against boyhood so the the question was do you want to reward a hollywood movie that's about you, or do you wanna reward this like interesting but weird indie movie from Austin that is so much smaller? And unfortunately they chose Birdman in my opinion, but uh, but it wasn't this kind of there wasn't a contender that was like this stands for something important about American. Well, life. and
0: if the Oscars had happened a month later, it probably would have become American Sniper, which was opening in theaters and becoming this enormous hit or, on its or way. Sela. True. Or yeah, or some a whole a whole different direction. But yeah. yeah, you have these narrative. I mean, you're talking Mike about how this is the narrative now, it won't be the narrative in February. It changes so much and it changes after the awards actually happen. So you kind of have to say well, okay, when are they gonna have their ballots, mid February, what's gonna be happening a month from now and so, go from there. And
2: I'm genuinely curious to see if any of the teams behind these movies is gonna like get you know, take off the gloves or not. There was a mm. Politico thing over the weekend that called into question the conclusions of The Big Short uh, by Michael Grunwald, And then a bunch of people immediately leapt on it and ripped it apart and said, you know, you idiot. The, this, this guy, uh, Michael Grunwald, had co-written or ghostwritten Tim Geithner's book and was saying basically Uh-oh. that the movie suggested that nothing had changed and actually a lot has changed and you know Dodd-Frank really worked and then a hundred people just jumped down his throat and were like shut up but, um, but that oh, you can see internet. a lot yeah. more of that happening yeah. you know in the next month.
0: Well and Spotlight already had their version of it one of the people represented in the movies in the movie really objected to the way he was portrayed and you can I mean it's Spotlight well,
2: and, and Michael Moore has been kind of murmuring that Spotlight has issues because at the end of the day the Boston Globe should be indicted for sitting on the sub story for so long i think i think the movie addresses that but there are people who think that there's issues with
1: spotlight and certainly
2: issues with revenant so
1: well i think you know and this is probably a tiny detail to focus on um and probably won't come to bear on but you know i think you notice in something like Leonardo dicaprio's golden globe speech he we talked about this already but he he kind of invoked um you know indigenous peoples and you know first nations and all you know um and I don't know if that was any sort of a cynical pivot for the movie to be like, well, no, it is about identity politics politics, and it is about more than just survivalism. Um, it would, I don't know. It, it, I suppose it's a dim possibility that the production, that the, the studio might kind of try to figure out some angle with that. But, well, and also yeah. in an
2: Oscar so white year where everybody's right. complaining,
1: I mean, they Here's have the best, a Latin American
2: yeah. director. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Yep. Uh,
0: I mean, I guess the Martian, you might be able to give some credit, but The Revenant is probably the least white. Oscar nom- Best Picture nominee which is right. a sad yeah. story to tell but yeah. that's the way it is. I mean
2: it kills me that Spotlight is so easy to put in like a bunch of white guys talking but it and you Archie know McAdams. it is
1: a lot of white guys.
0: Yeah. So what's
1: But the... most of it's about how all these the white systems of white power are sort of yeah. corrupt and horrible which you know I guess is <laughs> yes, including yeah. the
0: paper itself which overlooked yeah. all this And, stuff. and they yeah. happen
2: to be preying on poor white people but it's right. not exactly you know a celebration of white privilege. Right. Right. No By exactly. It's, a, it's
0: probably the most well it's a very interesting indictment of rape, white privilege in a way that's much more specific than I think many of the other nominees. Yeah. But what's the path you see to Mad Max jumping into this fray?
2: Well, I mean, I don't really – I just said you can't count it out.
0: Well, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I, I want to imagine this scenario in which these three tear at each other's throats. It and has won Johnson. a lot
2: of uh, Critics' Awards, right? Mm-hmm. And it is definitely, I think – it might be of this group the one movie that just about everybody walks out going holy crap what a great yeah. movie mm-hmm. you know it does seem to have sort of universal appeal weirdly and I was the one who kept saying oh these old Oscar voters <laughs> are not going to get it but apparently they do get it and they love
0: it yeah, yeah. Um, You got 10 nominations The Revenant got yeah. 12 I mean, so it's
2: totally inventive movie making that's more sort of entertaining than The Revenant and but certainly also big um, you know big spectacle and big budget and putting a lot of people to work
1: yeah and, and not not that I, I don't think that I think the same way as as the average Academy voter, but I, you know, it, in a couple ways, I feel that I feel like Mad Max could could move forward um, toward the t- kind of the, t- the front of the pack is when I was making my top ten list of the year, best movies of the year, and kind of putting it together in my head. The thinking was sort of binary. One was it's the movie that stands out the most for me all year. Like I still remember yeah. images from it the best, and I still feel the most about it. Even though there are movies that I probably sort of intellectually engaged with more than I did Man Max. So that's why I put it at number one. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing was, I'll admit, there was some part of me that was like, I'm going to be kind of cool. And I'm like, Mad Max is going to be not my number one movie. Everyone else's is going to be Carol or Spotlight. Mine is going to be different. I it, it turned out to not be different at all. The pack kind of ran, you know, I ran with the pack. But I don't know. Maybe there's a voting thought there where they're like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote for Mad Max. It probably won't win. <laughs> but I remember I liked it the best this year. And maybe it, if enough people do that. Then, maybe that's uh, how
0: Room got its nomination, too. Yeah. Cool. Go with your heart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I still I can't get over the fear. I mean, and I I guess I'm pulling for Spotlight most out of this bunch. Um not by default. I really like Spotlight, but I can't get over the fear that people are going to feel too spoon-fed it, especially yeah. if the campaign r- ramps up the way that we were talking about between now and then and then people are going to reject it and you, know. you
2: think that they'll that they'll get blowback if they start really making that Harvey-ish case of, like, it's I mean, time. I think you honor have to the make paper, the Harvey-ish case. I, yeah. yeah. I think
0: that is what you do, but I do think that's what took down Brokeback Mountain. There were just enough people who were resistant to giving it to—I mean, for very different reasons. Broke yeah, back but Mountain.
2: Brokeback Mountain, you had, you know, a group of older people who might say, hey, wait a minute, let's slow down before we, like, say everybody should be gay. Whereas with this one, I think—I don't know. I mean, there may be—there are a lot of Catholics in Hollywood, and there may be people—I can't imagine it, but there may be people who watch that movie and think
1: it's "It's unfair
2: to the church you know why are they picking on these priests i i i but you know the the movie basically portrays the catholic church as a as a glorified pedophile ring uh i mean that's basically what it does Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm
0: Well, as we said, we have uh, about six weeks to go in this race, so a lot is going to change, a lot is going to happen. Hopefully, we won't spend every week of this podcast talking about how we don't know what's going to win Best Picture. But... Well, I'm
1: telling you, the Carol thing is good. They're going to be like, uh, "Oh, yeah. sorry, wait, we found there was a ninth, <laughs> yeah. there was a ninth title on the list. We lost a ballot yes.
0: under the seat somewhere." Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a really interesting race to follow, and you know, it's you know, this time last year, we totally knew Birdman was going to win Best Picture. Well, we at least strongly suspected Birdman was going to win Best Picture. I so. thought
2: Boyhood was going. to I still had Boyhood to the very end, but I'm just. Crazy like that. it's
0: good to have true believers like yeah
2: yeah yeah. you know you get a lot of people here respect you robbie oh, wow. the work you do that's good to know you know it's because you care about this place yeah it's why you do what you do it's who you are you know when people need the church more than ever right now you know you can feel it and the cardinal uh, you know the cardinal he might not be perfect But we can't throw out all the good he's doing over a few bad apples. Now,
0: you know, I'm bringing this up to you because I know this is Baron's idea, his agenda.
3: Mm -hmm. i got to tell you, I mean, honest to God, I mean, he doesn't care about the city the way we do.
1: I mean, how could he? This is how it happens, isn't it, Pete? What's that? Guy leans on a guy, Suddenly, the whole town just looks the other way.
0: Before we bring in Joe Reed, uh, let's pause for a word from our sponsor. In Forevermark's pursuit of absolute beauty, every Forevermark diamond undergoes a journey of rigorous selection. That's why less than 1% of the world's diamonds are worthy of the Forevermark inscription, a promise of beauty, rarity, and responsible sourcing. Each Forever Mark diamond originates at a carefully selected source that provides benefits to its country and local community. This ensures that a Forevermark diamond helps improve the lives of those involved in its journey so you can feel proud to give, own, or wear your Forever Mark diamond. Forevermark, A diamond is forever. Find your design at forevermark.com.
1: What did you marinate this steak in? Because it's out of this world, you're killing me with it. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it's a family secret. Oh, come on, you gotta tell me that. What's the secret? Come on, you could do it. Come on, <laughs> come on. that is one of the best goddamn steaks I ever had in my life, mm-hmm. ever. What's the what's the what's the what's the family secret recipe? It's gr- it's ground garlic and a little bit of soy. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it.
2: I thought it was a family
0: secret. <laughs> it's a recipe? No.
1: No. You said to me this is a family secret. And you gave it up to me, boom. Just like that. You spilled the secret family recipe today. Maybe you spill a little something about me tomorrow. Hmm?
0: So we'd like to welcome back as a return guest, Joe Reed of The Decider, uh, writer of the Oscar Grouch column. I, I hope they don't make you live in a trash can while you write this column.
3: They don't, no. I've <laughs> been able to, uh, myself and uh, Megan O'Keefe, we sort of have been trading off the last few weeks. It's mostly been her column, but I've been ably filling in, I feel like.
0: well, I Crunch think time if, weeks. I think of you as an Oscar optimist, because you're one of the people who writes about the Oscar season and doesn't hate it.
3: I don't it. hate it. I actually really love <laughs> it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the uh, cynicism, or the kind of implied cynicism of your blog that's had Oscar buzz it's why we have invited you back because yes. uh, the oscar nominations are out so we now know what of 2015's crops are not failures just didn't quite make the make the runoff the Curiosity. way that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so what are kind of the big <laughs> museum
2: pieces right exactly you could call them yeah <laughs> so
0: what to you are the uh, are the movies from 2015 that we're gonna look back at and be like holy shit that had oscar buzz
3: when i updated i updated the site over the weekend with about a dozen ish, uh, new entries, class of 2015. It makes it sound more prestigious <laughs> that way. They need yeah. some prestige. They lost, out on, they lost yeah. out on so much. <laughs> um, black mass was the one I wanted to do first off, because I feel like that was the one that feels like came the closest mm-hmm. and it'll be funny to see, to think of in three or four years. Do we think of it as the one that came the closest or how did that come the closest? Yeah. I feel like now that Scott Cooper has made two movies in a row that were, anticipated along Oscar lines. And it's funny, the last movie that I had added to the site before, this batch of 2015 ones, was Out of the Furnace. Oh, no. And that one, I think even now when we look at that, it was just like, how did we think... That the Oscar voters were going to go for that. It's so violent. It's so, like, grim. and But like Scott Cooper, because he had had success with getting an Oscar for Jeff Bridges, or Jeff Bridges got and an Oscar hat. on his time or whatever. Now we sort of look at Cooper as, well, he's got, you know, a checkmark in his column. So now everything that he does for at least the next few will be viewed through that Oscar prism. And yeah. I think that's what you get with, like, a Meryl Streep movie, any movie that Meryl Streep's in. You know, be it Ricky and the Flash or Suffragette, both of which came up totally empty this Oscar season.
0: Yeah.
2: But it's worth thinking about the fact that, we, I mean, we had a whole episode that was titled, Is This the Year That Johnny Depp, you know, gets right. an Oscar or <laughs> right. whatever. We
0: were so revenant blind back I, then. <laughs>
2: yeah. And, and I mean, that movie really did, and it was, this was after people saw it. Right. I do think in retrospect, he looked too much like Gary Oldman in interview with the, the Vampire movie. I thought what you were going to get Bram Hannibal, Stoker's but Bram Dracula. Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a makeup issue, and then he had the wrong accent. I'm just going to say, as an Irish American, he talked like an Italian mafia guy, oh, not
3: an a, Irish it was mob a guy. Dogs breakfast Absolutely. of an accent
1: right there. <laughs> yeah. it was really it's cool. been
0: quite a year for Boston accents. I went oh, to man. school
1: with Kevin Weeks. Is his nephew? I went to high school with him, and none of them sounded like like what you described like they weren't good fellas they, they were, they were yeah. guys who was healthy yeah, he, so. he sounded
2: like my grandfather because right.
1: Joe Berlinger made an amazing documentary by the way
2: everyone should see on Netflix the Whitey Bulger documentary right. and you can hear him and how he talks because he's on the phone he doesn't really give interviews but he gave this one interview he doesn't talk like
1: he's from Goodfellas. No, not at all. Exactly. So, but Joe, do you think that, did Black Mass have Oscar buzz beyond Johnny Depp or or was he like the kind of the sole sort of engine of that of that movie? I
3: think before anybody saw it, it had Oscar buzz In general. entirely. Because right. it was, it checked a lot of boxes. I think what you see with a lot of these uh, Movies that we were thinking of and then failed, they check a lot of boxes. So Black Mass was about a real life thing. And it was a mob movie, which we tend to think will do well with Oscars, but that's only really Scorsese in the last like 15 Mm -hmm. years or whatever. But it had a lot of potential the Scott Cooper thing the cast it was one of those casts that was full of big names that was like Benedict Cumberbatch and Joel Edgerton and all yeah. these people who exactly. are sort of like yeah. happening and then once people saw it people were just like but Johnny Depp and nobody really talked about the movie after that and then the Depp thing like, like you were saying like people sort of like started chipping away at how effective that performance really was and Depp as a personality seems like somebody who it's it's maybe his time at some point. but Yeah, yeah. well,
0: yeah, at, at some point if Johnny Depp keeps making real people
3: movies and not Mm -hmm. tim burton movies right we'll see how it goes i think that was a lot of it too people were very happy that he wasn't making another tim burton yeah
0: so if he keeps on that track eventually we'll get him in the leo stage where it's like okay it's finally his time and we'll remember black mass as being like oh yeah johnny was robbed or maybe not not that dramatic hey if we
3: start hearing stories about how hard alice in wonderland 2 was to make (laughs) and how he he slept in a cgi field of daisies or whatever so black
2: mass could still be the beginning of the johnny Sons. Could be, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, but it wasn't good enough to get over the hurdle. Yeah, but do well, you, do you think year. was it an extraordinarily good year for Best Actor, or was it That's just? The thing. I don't think it was. I yeah.
3: think if you saw even you know talking about the contenders leading up to the nominations, it was about five people, the five people who got nominations. People hoping that Michael B. Jordan could get a nomination, and people wondering if Johnny Depp could sort of make that resurgence because I think he got what a SAG nomination or something like
0: yeah. that. Yeah. Or um, or uh, Michael Caine or Ian McKellen. Right. And, uh, you know, two others that had Oscar buzz contenders. <laughs>
3: exactly. Yeah. For for youth and for Mr. Holmes. And I, those are two others where they just like, the, it just didn't happen. And they were sort of banking on that kind of sentimentality of, we love Ian McKellen. We love Michael Caine. Here they are in a movie. They're sort of, it's a somewhat sentimental role, that kind of stuff. And... Sometimes it just doesn't happen, and yeah. whether it's because the the whole story co- you know coalesces around the five that we ended up getting so quickly, which is sort of what happened there. I mean, you know, Michael Fassbender wasn't budging from that field, and
0: which surprised me, given how much Steve Jobs kind of fell out of people's radars. But he and Kate Winslet, both of them, yeah. Some movies
3: off. just sort of like become performance movies in in the Oscar voters' minds. Mm-hmm. And those performances, like Kate Winslet, was also like she was never budging out of that out of that race.
0: Yeah. And, well the other uh, high profile actor contender that you had on your list is concussion which like didn't mm. it, it didn't even get the black mass bump it just went nowhere no. so fast it, I don't know if it cuz it opened on Christmas opposite the hate flight and the revenant which seemed to take all the attention Yeah but, like, I mean, Will Smith used to be able to guarantee open a movie. Like, seven pounds made money. Yeah. What the hell happened with Concussion? The I,
1: NFL got to it.
0: <laughs>
3: Roger Goodell <laughs> slashed yeah. his throat. Took okay, they didn't even took have legs to. Out. The no, they didn't. Well, they yeah. really
1: didn't. Yeah.
3: Well, and I think you look at something like Concussion. I mean, seven pounds sort of, you know, faltered with Oscars, obviously, yes. too. But it did make money, you're right? But you look at what Will Smith has been able to do. His two Oscar nominations were Ali playing a real person in a boxing movie, although boxing movies were not very successful this year, as they have been in the past. Yeah. But that, like, Ali fit into a lot of, you know, big transformation. He sort of physically transformed himself. All those things Oscar voters love. Pursuit of Happiness was just, like, an aggressively, like, sentimental, like, you, you know... We're going to feel for that character mm-hmm. if you watch that movie. And it was his kid, and, and with Jaden, yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. There was so there was like a lot of stuff there. Concussion didn't really have any of those. It was a real life person, but it was a real life person nobody ever had really heard of. It was a sort of niche story in that it was about sports, and not everybody cares about sports. And it was like the wonky side of like sports medicine. So you know, <laughs> of all the topics that you could talk about, like sports medicine is not an Oscar genre. I feel like so.
2: Well, and it wasn't hard hitting, That's a, you right? Know, T- not to be like uh, a
0: concussion punning, but yeah <laughs>
2: um and and his performance was very kind of clenched because that was the type of character he played not, yeah. I don't know if it was clenched but it was reserved the whole point was yeah. that he was right. this intellectual guy who's sort yeah. of charming but there's not a lot of sort You've, of eat, chewing uh, scenery
3: even his big like tell the truth scene like it's just like he's very clenched uh, out very I funny. was gonna
1: say that that tell the truth thing they feature prominently in the trailers for the movie right. and I think it's supposed to play as this big rousing thing but it feels a little bit silly in the trailer yeah. uh, the home in the whole movie I, it, it fits really well I actually like that movie a lot more than I thought I was going to yeah but um but yeah, no, I mean, I think that it, you watch that trailer and it's like, oh, I can see so much what they're going for, but it's just not getting there at any kind of step of the way.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and now I think we'll remember that one as a kind of like, oh, it got that Curiosity Golden Globe nomination that like nobody remembers for like mm. Scarlett Johansson in The Love Song of Bobby Long or like <laughs> oh, The Great geez, Debaters yeah. or whatever. Like Flow and
0: Infinitely Polar Bear. Exactly,
3: those really weird Curiosity Golden Globe nominations. We're, yeah. uh, or we'll remember it as the movie that would have
2: gotten Will Smith a nomination if the Oscars weren't racist. Or that, Ooh. yes. well yeah. as <laughs> I mean, it might
3: happen <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the way things yeah. are looking I, I right like now. I like that, yeah, Jada Pinkett Smith is sort of bringing Will into that Conversation where everybody else is talking about like Idris Elba and Michael B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan. and Jade is just like, "Well, it was Will. Will was Rob." That I was, was a like, bold okay. move for her to just step up,
2: yeah. put her name on the line, and be like, "I'm angry about my husband not getting nominated." Arguably, yeah.
3: she had a more deserving case this year for her performance in Magic Mike XI. I would say she that. was really I would good. say,
1: inarguably, I would say yeah. she was fantastic. <laughs> on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, No one's talking about that uh, Oscar so white element. Yeah. But, well, so I mean, we talked about concussion and Black Mass. There's also Legend and Mr. Holmes and. And um, youth, as we mentioned, there are all these actor vehicles that kind of failed to get across the finish line, which is weird because, as we were saying, it wasn't a super crowded best, best actor field. But, yeah. like, I wonder if – because, like, the female roles were so much more interesting. The best actor's field is, I think, much more dynamic. And there are all these women
3: who didn't yes. make the cut.
0: Like, is that is, is that how buzz happens? Like, does us getting really hooked on all these female performances make movies like Mr. Holmes just fall apart?
3: I think at some level you have to have – people enthused about your movie on some level and people talking about your movie and I think this fall you had a lot of people talking about Carol either anticipatorily or after they had seen it sort of talking about you know is it is it chilly is it is it emotional enough is it you know does it have enough in it to make it across the finish line Oscar wise and which it, didn't. which it didn't although six nominations is yeah, nothing okay. that sneeze that
0: not for best picture
3: but yeah. not for best picture not for best director but I think you got a lot of chatter about that kind of stuff people really liked Brooklyn like people really like took Brooklyn to heart Mm -hmm. and people were very impressed by Room and I think there is some sort of an in you know there's a finite amount of attention that can be paid to things and I think something like Legend which was built to be such a Tom Hardy vehicle in terms of the difficulty I honestly think like that was Leo's slot this year. Leo's slot mm. this year was look at what a feat, like a degree of difficulty, I am overcoming mm-hmm. in this. And Tom Hardy pr- might have been able to have that to himself if somebody else wasn't. Like Did it's hard it for well. Tom Hardy to be like, look at how hard it was to play two people and whatever. When Leo's like, when Leo's just an ice like river. exactly and like <laughs> yeah, crawling through a pile of. Bison livers or whatever.
2: I think that's interesting, but also, I mean, you have to acknowledge that Legend is just a, not a successful movie. Oh, I don't it's think it's a good like movie. It's just like kind of an inept right. directing, right? And so, whatever you might like disagree with the sort of implied politics of Revenant or find it excruciating or whatever, but at least sure. it's unbelievably expertly made. Oh yeah, and and it's Leo has a really hearty performance. I mean, I felt bad for Tom Hardy in Legend, because yeah. he's doing amazing stuff, but it's not
3: coming together on the screen. Yeah, the rest of that movie was not up to his level.
1: So, Joe, what's the most surprising movie on your your sort of short list of this had Oscar buzz? What's the one that you thought really was going to earn its Oscar buzz? Um, I think there are a couple. One being
3: Suffragette, because I felt like a year out, Suffragette seemed like such a good pick, at the very least for acting nominations. And I think part of that is we're sort of conditioned to think of... Best Actress and to a lesser extent Best Supporting Actress as these sort of like shallow pools for Oscar mm-hmm. nominations. Best Actress, there's not always a lot of not a lot of great female performances because there always are. But in in movies and in genres that Oscar tends to go for, this was not the case this year. So like worse luck for Carrie Mulligan, because in a sort of lesser year for Best Actress contender, she probably would have been at least in, more in the conversation that she was. She never really was. Suffragette sort of came and went very quickly. And she was quite good in Far From the Madding Crowd, which also didn't really ever catch on Oscar-wise.
0: Yeah, but yeah, that one didn't even get, like, the costume
3: nomination yeah. that some people thought it might pick up. And that, and that you can have a Meryl Streep performance in a, Oscar
1: genre movie to get no attention.
3: It's just she, like it's not something we're used to. To
1: be fair, she's on screen for about five minutes. I still haven't seen. Oh, her project, I mean, so. I don't want to spoil anything, but well, she is so it's 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 such a cameo that yeah. You know.
2: Is Carrie Mulligan in that horrible dead spot between being an ingenue that Oscar likes and being an older lady that Oscar likes?
0: Oh God, that deb- she's like twenty eight. That's gonna last forever. I I feel like she she
2: has just been... because her first nomination was for An Education, which is how long ago now? It two
3: thousand nine. Yeah. and i think she was and then the very next year jennifer lawrence for winter's bone and i think jennifer yeah. lawrence sort of you know took up all that ingenue, uh, oxygen in the room so i think that's definitely there are definitely slots i feel like it's it's sort of it seems cynical to to think of things that way but i do think you notice that with Oscar nominations where
1: well if Carrie Mulligan stole Keira Knightley's thunder uh-huh. and there Felicity Jones steals <laughs> Carrie Mulligan's thunder and it's just all these poor British actresses just lining up and you know yeah. waiting to come to America ring around the rosy yeah. and we pull one chair away and everybody
3: yeah. 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 yes I mean
0: yeah. so we're talking about like years where Carrie Mulligan could have gotten nominated or years where some of these you know like where the pursuit of happiness got in like the Oscars mm-hmm. vary so wildly from year to year like Reese Witherspoon winning best actress for Walk the Line happened in a vastly different best actress field than what we have this year like Correct. it's It's crazy just how different it is based on not only the group of movies but, like, what the mood is. It's so Mm – so you can't, like, look at The Walk a year out and say, like, oh, yeah, that's going to fail an Oscar buzz. Like, that's why these things happen every year because you just kind of
3: never know. Right. And that's what I think is sort of fun about it. And you sort of – you look at these movies and it's just like, yeah, you're right. Why did The Walk, which is so, like, visually, you know, appealing and interesting – why did that fail? Where at least like Flight, which is also Robert Zemeckis, which mm-hmm. is also a movie that people liked certain things about it a great deal and certain things about it not at all that still got a couple of Oscar nominations whereas The Walk was just like out and I well, think
0: Well and The Walk tanked so hard That was the office. thing
1: sometimes you tank so hard that yeah. it just you can't recover yeah. Also if Denzel Washington had been doing a terrible French accent in flight <laughs> That is <laughs> <I> think, absolutely <laughs> And we be would a have. mime yeah. People thought yeah. Denzel
3: Washington was one of the best parts of flight People yeah. thought Joseph Gordon-Levitt was one of the, the worst. Like, weaker <laughs> parts but Certainly like that accent uh, that Even was, though he's <laughs> fluent in French I just don't understand I, it. But I, yeah. I liked The yeah. Walk and Joseph Gordon Lovett in it. But. I liked a lot of The Walk Quite a bit. It was felt very similar to Flight in that way. I liked a lot of Flight in that way. What else is on the list, Joe? So something like Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, which yeah. had such like a, a de- debut at Sundance. People really were talking about that. The end of the tour to a lesser extent. The movies coming out of Sundance were Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, the end of the tour, and then the one that did manage to make it, which is Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And sometimes... There, there can be only one, just like the Highlander. I was,
1: I was arguing with a publicist friend last night that about you know about Sundance and Oscar buzz because you know um, Mike and I are about to, to head off there t- uh, tomorrow and yeah. um, face a whole new crop of movies. God help us! But I made the argument. I don't think Brooklyn broke then. I, 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 you know, I feel like some people saw it. A lot of people liked it, but I don't feel like its awards narrative really started in jan- last January. I think that's probably
3: fair. I think it's something that accumulated. It did that smart thing of playing all the festivals. Right. And mm-hmm. it sort of, it played Toronto and then it played New York and it sort of built up momentum from there yeah. where something... I, I think I heard about it in the fall, but right. more so than, I mean, I'm sure
2: I heard about it at Sundance, yeah. but it wasn't like, yeah. ooh, I can't wait to... Me and Earl was the one that was, came that out of Sundance anyway. where it was like,
3: you gotta see it. Yeah. yeah. And then I think people were expecting it to open and to sort of connect to people in that kind of Little Miss Sunshine way mm-hmm. um, as this sort of like little movie that could, you know, sentimental and emotional and it just it didn't and so sometimes there's no accounting for why it did.
2: You know, I didn't see it at Sundance yeah. and I saw it like on demand later. You know, that sad Sundance thing where like the hottest uh-huh. thing in Sundance uh-huh. is just like free on demand yep. six months later. Yep, totally. And I was just like, oh my God, the altitude really is high in Park City. You know, there's just something, I, I don't know. It yeah. just didn't really work. Well, there's that festival as fever. Well. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of festival fever at yeah. Sundance.
0: Yeah, so as we as we prepare to send Mike and Richard to Sundance, we're preparing for a whole other round of this head Oscar but <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah. It's kind of a yeah. sad way to look at an upcoming festival.
1: It really never ends. It's, it's, and that's why Joe's uh, Tumblr works so perfectly because yeah. it's just a constant cycle of hope and disappointment. That's really. right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe to end it, is there anything on this list of uh, of this hot Oscar buzzes that we, we feel especially bad about? Anything we were really crossing our fingers for that... Uh I think be- the line.
3: before I saw it, I was really high on Freeheld, and I was really—I even feel bad, sort of—I had felt that like little twinge of, of regret putting Freeheld on this list. I didn't put something like Beast of No Nation on the blog because I feel like that's a movie that I thought was really good, and it's sort of the the Schadenfreude aspect that I mm. that I feel like for uh, this had Oscar buzz. I didn't want to put that onto Beast of No Nation, but Freeheld felt a little bit more of like. It was so good on paper, and it just did not live up to that on the screen. And it was really too bad. Julianne Moore and Ellen Page are giving, you know, performances that really do try, and it just never connects at all. And it was just like, I thought such a shame.
0: Yeah, that one from the minute I saw it at Toronto, I was just like, "Mm hmm, I just wish I could root for this more. Yeah. Well,
2: I think with Beast and Nation*. That clearly, at least from Kerry from Fukunaga's perspective, was not an Oscar play. Right. That was a movie that he, I obvi- mean, because it, sure. it wasn't set up like a kind of movie that should win at the Oscars. I think Netflix right. decided this thing is good enough and interesting enough yeah. and does have enough connection points for voters that we should push it. But it, unlike some of these other movies, I mean, it was a pretty bold, risky Yeah. Play. And
0: the Netflix thing made it a huge thing to overcome. There's this huge bias against movies debuting on Netflix that people yeah. really don't like seeing that happen. They don't like seeing the theatrical windows shrunk in that way. So yeah. even though it was a tough movie, it also had that huge hurdle to overcome. And good on Netflix for promoting it to that extent. And Edge Elba got a SAG nomination. And
3: the cast got a SAG nomination. And it got nomination. a SAG
0: nomination, yeah. So like it worked on some level, and it's bringing attention to this pretty great movie on Netflix. So. Yeah. That word from their end, but that, yeah, the Academy would have had to overcome a lot to embrace it. Yeah. Joe, thank you so much for coming back and thank joining us. Thank you for us. having and, me. Um, we'll, uh, we'll have you back for non-schadenfreude topics at some point I soon. I love
3: it. Thank you. Do you have any idea the impact of what you're doing? Yes, I do. Do you
2: understand the impact of what you are doing? If
0: just 10% of the mothers in America decide that football is too dangerous for their sons to play, that is it. It is the end of football. Kids, colleges, and eventually, it's just a matter of time, the professional game. Joe, he does autopsies. He's not in the outcome business. He has no business.
2: you know what history does to people? Trained
3: physicians who ignore science. Oh, wow. Sir, I am not done. History laughs. If you continue
2: to deny my work, The world will deny my work,
3: but men, your men, continue to die, their families left in ruins. Tell the truth.
2: Tell the truth.
0: Before we move on, a word from our sponsor.
1: This episode of Little Gold Men is sponsored by Squarespace.com. If you wanted to start your own Oscar blog and compete with the likes of Gold Derby and VanityFair.com, you could. With Squarespace, you can make sites that look professionally designed regardless of your skill level with coding. There is no coding required, in fact. It has intuitive and easy-to-use tools, and you get a free domain if you sign up for a year. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code GOLDMEN, G-O-L-D-M-E-N, to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build a beautiful...
0: Fix it. What the? Fix it, Steve. Take it easy. Fix it or I quit. How about that? I quit and you never see me again. How about that?
1: Tell me what's wrong with you this morning.
0: What's been wrong with me for 19 years? I've been a witness and I tell you I've been complicit. I love you, Steve. You know how much. I love that you don't care how much money a person makes. You care what they make. But what you make isn't supposed to be the best part of you. When you're a father, that's what's supposed to be the best part of you. And it's caused me two decades of agony, Steve, that it is for you.
1: The worst. It's a little thing. It's a very small thing.
0: Fix it. Fix it now. Or you can contact me at my new job, working anywhere I want. So guys, now that we have the nominees, it's a little easier to go big before we go home. But I've picked a tricky category, I think, because uh, in Best Supporting Actress, I have no actual idea who is the frontrunner, which is why I want us all to predict who we think is going to win in that category. Uh, Richard, what about you?
1: Oh boy, putting me on the spot here. (laughs) Um, There is a a sort of lazy part of me that's like, uh, maybe Kate Winslet will just kind of kind of make she, off with she it she was
0: cute at the golden globes
1: she was yeah people like her but i don't know you know we're talking about spotlight and being the best picture frontrunner or whatnot i i think that they i don't know i could see rachel mcadams almost in some ways if things turn in a weird way and it doesn't win some of the bigger stuff it's nominated for i could almost see mcadams being the the, the standout like, the spotlight. Be, be like here's the award that and you can share it with everyone else huh i mean I, that's probably yeah, that's a really kind of like wild um no, it's not going to happen. But I could see it happening. <laughs> I like the idea of yeah. Mark
0: Ruffalo being like, "Is it my turn with the with the Oscar? Can right. I come? Can I come oh, up right, right. I exactly. Yeah. I. I, I, looking at this list, again, like I keep going back and forth, but I feel like Alicia Vikander has the, n- the narrative of it having been a really big year for her. And were there anyone else in supporting actors who had a really strong like it's their time or they gave the st- stunning performance or whatever? They might overpower it. But she's you know, we a lot of us thought she was going to get nominated for Ex Machina. She had this great year. She is the ingenue that the Oscars love. So I think even though the Danish girl is not the most beloved of the nominees, it you know, it got. I think five or six nominations, which is nothing to sneeze at, but uh, isn't a major contender, I I think she could really uh, win it for that, for a lead role in a supporting category.
2: Yeah, most people seem to be predicting either Rooney or Alicia Vikander, Rooney Mara for Carol, Alicia Vikander for Danish Girl. Rooney Mara has the same issue, which is it's basically a lead role, and Mm -hmm. they're only because the movie is named after her love interest does she get to run as supporting.
0: Although, usually, uh, if that is an issue, that doesn't prevent you from winning an Oscar. They have, you know, Jennifer Connelly won for Beautiful Mind, et cetera. Yeah,
2: so, I mean, I guess I uh, could—Carol seems to have, you know, the airs come out of its tires in in some ways, but I think that Rooney would be a a perfectly good place to sort of, like— put a marker down and say this was a really good movie that should be remembered. So I could see that happening. I also think Jennifer Jason Leigh could win. (laughs) I mean, for the same reason for Hateful Eight. You know, Hateful Eight kind of... Obviously, didn't really connect with Oscar voters uh, in the way that some people had hoped. But, you know, she's in there. She gives certainly a unique performance, kind of. I I found her to be a relief from a lot of the rest of the proceedings. Mm
1: -hmm. So, I don't know. I guess Rooney Mara.
0: We've now named all five contenders as possibilities. (laughs) Maybe they'll
1: all share it. (laughs) One one quick thing, Katie, that's interesting about your theory about Vikander is... That Jessica Chastain was nominated mm-hmm. for the Help mm-hmm. for having a similar year. I think she was in six movies that year. Lisa Vikander was in seven. I think. Oh my god! In 2015, Octavia Spencer ended up winning for the Help. Yeah. But there isn't someone else from Vikander's movie. Yes. Who could th- sort of thwart her yeah. from kind of achieving that? Like, here's the cap off to your exactly. amazing, de- you know, sort of debut year. Yeah. So maybe there's, that could... there's
0: not a strong narrative the way there was for Octavia Spencer, who right. was like clearly the breakout right. star from that movie. Right. This is the tricky one. It's going I. Hopefully, you know, as the Oscars get closer, some clarity will emerge. But you know, maybe we'll go to Oscar night. It, like the year that um, Tilda Swinton won, that it was her and Amy Ryan and Ruby Dee, and Kate Blanchett. I think it was this crazy competition, and no one knew who was going to win. And uh, I, I do think,
2: just going back for a sec, I do think that Rooney Mara, you know, is not the warmest person in the world, and and nor is uh, Lisa Vikaner, which is fine, and that's their right, but at some level, there's a schmooze factor to this thing, potentially, and then there can also be that you're just this remote goddess, and everybody wants to reward you. But I do think that there is some uh, narrative around Jennifer Jason Lee as like a comeback thing that that could build steam,
1: potentially, you know? And she's, you know, her her... It's a family business for her, so you know her father was an actor, and you know she like the, she's been in Hollywood for a long time. Yeah, I mean, you know? fast times at Ridgemont High, man. Yeah, and, and, she was on and she's podcast. got Harvey in her corner,
0: and yeah, she was on this podcast, so she that, was that's was on a this obvious podcast, bump. the
1: Little Gold Men bump. You know, yeah. that's that's, <laughs> that's well known. That will be huge yeah. for her. <laughs> We can help anyway.
0: That does it for this week's Little Gold Men. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Uh, you can find us writing about award season and much more at VanityFair.com. Uh, you can also find the show on iTunes, where you can rate and review it. We very much appreciate those reviews and th- you guys for listening. Uh, you can also find all of us on Twitter. I'm at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. And Mike?
1: Uh, Mike underscore Hogan. And Richard. R-I-L-A-W-S
0: And we're all together at the Feed Little Gold Men This episode was produced by Sam Dingman And edited by Tim Einenkell And thanks to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply Find us and many more great podcasts At panoply.fm <laughs>